Hey everybody, Ethan here. Today we're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy, and there's just so much happening right now that is so terrible. I thought maybe we could all in our own little ways be guardians of our galaxies and find a nonprofit we care about and donate to them. Or adopt a state and make some phone calls because this election is the most important thing in the world. I adopted Florida, my home state. I've been making calls. I think that it's helping. I don't know for sure, but I'm trying to do all that I can. All I'm saying is we love superhero movies, but there are ways we can be superheroes too and help out the communities that we care about. So I know usually this is a joke fest here in the intro, but today I just wanted to say find a way to help. It'll make you feel great and possibly save some lives. Enjoy the episode. Bad science. Did the movie get it right? Bad science. Or will we have to fight? Bad, 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 bad science. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bad Science. I'm your host, Ethan Edinburgh. This is the show where we break down the science of a movie with a comedian and a scientist. And today we are talking about Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one from 2014, written by James Gunn, who also directed it, and Nicole Perlman, who is the first woman to be credited for writing a Marvel screenplay. And she did an absolutely amazing job. I absolutely love this movie, and I have two wonderful guests to help me break it down. First, she is a stand-up comedian, writer, and actor you might know from Paddington and the Feels, and our episode about The Happening, Ever Maynard. Hi, thank you for having me again. Welcome back. I'm hoping you had a better time with this movie because The Happening was one of the probably only movies that we've done where I actually felt bad making you watch it. Man, it was rough. The Happening was rough, man. <laughs> yeah, rough road on that one. But this one, a lot <laughs> more fun. This one was really fun. It was really silly. I found it very charming. Yeah. It was really great to like just get out of society for a moment and just kind of disappear into the magic of movies, you know? Yes. I got that Disney Plus um, login info from a friend and just sat back and relaxed, you know? I was like, here we go. <laughs> awesome. Um, <laughs> Um, okay, well, joining us, helping us break it down, is an astrophysicist, folklorist, and science communicator, Moya McTeer. Hi, that's me. Good to be here. How's it going? I mean, I mean, the world sucks, but like, I'm feeling great in this moment right now. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, we're definitely living in a nightmarish uh, apocalypse, but glad to hear you're doing well, and thank you for joining <laughs> us. Happy to have you. Thanks for having me. It's really good to be here. <laughs> so I have a bunch of questions for you, Moya. I mean, about the movie, of course, but also just about you in general. <laughs> um, for example, uh, I saw on Twitter that you are writing a book about the Milky Way galaxy or going to be writing a book. Is that true? That is true. I've written three chapters. Uh, I got positive feedback from my editor, which is always a good sign. And uh, I'm excited for it to come out. But that won't be until like 2022, probably because publishing is super slow. Okay, I have a question about this. You're publishing something about the Milky Way in our galaxy. Mm -hmm. Is this an, a science editor? <laughs> yeah, are they helping you with story beats, character arcs? Because uh, this seems like you could just be like, nah, this is right. <laughs> and because I, I would just believe whatever you <laughs> whatever you put in a book. I'd be like, yeah, they got it right. Okay. Cool. Honestly, I'm not gonna out research Moya. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, that's one of my biggest concerns. But no, she's an editor who has worked with scientists in the past, though she's not a scientist herself. Um, she seems 
super experienced and really great. So I trust that she's going to like call me out on my shit if I have any. Um, but I also will be asking my colleagues to check my work so that I'm not teaching people wrong stuff because that's like the antithesis of what I'm about as that's a science cool. communicator. Oh, yeah. science commu- <laughs> That makes sense. Okay. Okay. I, we're going to get off topic, but I'm so excited. <laughs> like, I didn't know that we were talking to an astrophysicist, <laughs> like, and a science communicator today. I was just, <laughs> I'm so stoked um, about this. And, okay. <laughs> Did you read about how they found dark matter under the mountains in Italy? Um, is this true? What is this? Can um, you explain it? Uh, I, Did you read about that on the Onion, or is that a real that. deal? No, this is yeah, a that real sounds, deal. Mm, well, I'm. They're like, I'm, if this is true, it was in the Times. It was like, if this is true, then this would explain X, Y, Z. Like, there's a claim that they have found mm. evidence of dark matter. Is this I feel like, like this is have... like a tourist draw. <laughs> like Italy's like, oh, we've kind of got a bad wreck with COVID. We've got dark matter. I'm imagining that this is like a laboratory under a mountain in Italy and not like some miner was was in the mountain and like popped off a chunk of dark matter from the rocks. Like that, that would be definitely not right. Um, but if I can imagine a world where that headline was kind of exaggerated from a paper where a laboratory in Italy was trying to figure out what dark matter is made of. Because right now, astronomers and physicists, we don't we don't know what it's made of. And there are a lot of hypotheses for what it might be. Notice I say hypotheses and not theories, because those are different. I, I looked it up here, and it says that a team of physicists, this is at the Grand Sasso National Laboratory in Italy, uh, a team of physicists has made what might be the first ever detection of an axion. And axions, like dark matter, I guess, mm-hmm. are unconfirmed hypothetical particles. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know about that? Do you know what an axion? I have no idea what that is. Uh, I don't think anyone really knows what an axion is. It's uh, one of those kind of theoretical hypothesized particles that might be what dark matter is, but it's just one of many oh. uh potential explanations for dark matter. Okay, interesting. It sounds like a Guardians of the Galaxy type thing. <laughs> I mean, they did talk about hadrons in Guardians of the Galaxy, so they know oh, that's right. their, their subatomic particle or like their particle physics. Yes. Um, so wait, talking about the movie for just a second, when did you first see it and what did you think about the movie? I think I saw it when it came out um, or like when it was released beyond theaters. And I remember liking it so much that I wanted to watch the second one as soon as it came out. And then I was, I remember being kind of disappointed with the second one, but I was also hammered when I watched it. So like, maybe, maybe that's why. (laughs) I need to know as a science professional, uh, which I'm not, that was a lie. How many drinks is that? What does that mean? How are you pounding drinks before going to the theater? What are you drinking? I now feel like I need to walk back on that one a little bit. Hammered is probably too strong. Um, It was maybe I'd had like two or three drinks. So I was like for sure tipsy, Mm -hmm. but like very far from blackout when I watched this movie. Two or three, you said? Yes. Are those beers? Um, I didn't write it down in my calendar. Um, are you so, in the, like? Are you in the parking lot drinking? I'm not much of a drinker, so for is me, is it an it's AMC? Just, what is this? Where are we at? Too? Yeah, yeah, Alamo. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I think it was an AMC, probably the one on 84th Street. Oh, and well, so I was having, like drinking with New friends. York drinks. <laughs> you're <laughs> like, come on, y'all, we're in New York City. 
let's go to an Applebee's and then see Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. Yeah. Is this the entire podcast just like analyzing how drunk was Moya when she watched I mean, the second movie? If, if you pre-gamed um, at an Applebee's before watching this movie, I need I can, to know about it. I can guarantee you it was not an Applebee's. Yeah, we know it was a Chili's. <laughs> <laughs> We're not yeah, monsters. That's, that's my speech. <laughs> um, it was probably um, like a few ciders and then i watched the movie. ciders okay <laughs> you went to chili's and ordered a cider that's dangerous <laughs> i i would recommend against it but you do you i make questionable <laughs> yeah. decisions i've yeah. but i've grown that was years ago mm-hmm. i'm yeah. i'm more mature now that was three years ago i'm a moscow mule girl now yeah, you put that in like what a sippy cup, <laughs> sneak it in. <laughs> also, also, if you're having two or three Moscow mules, like that's a sugary drink. Like, I that's not really better. You're getting amped up, <laughs> but you're supposed to have a lot of sugary candy at a movie theater anyway. Yeah, okay, the balances. I'm, I'm more okay, of a popcorn okay. and bunch of crunch guy, but you know, three Moscow mules, whatever. Either way, I guess. However you enjoy your movie experience. Thanks. You also, I wanted to talk about, you recently gave a talk on Juneteenth called Space in Chains. Is that right? Uh, Yeah, I gave the talk last year and then showed the slides uh, on Twitter this year. (laughs) Oh, okay. So can you tell me what that's about? I was very curious about that. Yeah, I put together the talk for Juneteenth. Uh, So every June 19th uh, is the celebration of the day in 1865, where... Two years after the Emancipation Proclamation, uh, enslaved people were told that they were legally free. And I was asked to give a talk at Astronomy on Tap. And I said, okay, but it's Juneteenth. And I usually try to be like super black on Juneteenth. So I'm only going to do this talk if you let me talk about slavery. And they agreed um, because they're good people. Also, you can't say no to that. Yeah. And I decided to use the talk as an opportunity to put the history of slavery in an astronomical context. So uh, just so people can get a different perspective on how long slavery lasted, um, here's how many times uh, Haley's or Halley's Comet passed by, or here's how far a photon could have traveled, or here's how far the Milky Way moved, things like that. That's awesome. Okay. And people can, on your Twitter, see the slides from that presentation, that talk? Yeah, for sure. Nice. Okay. I tweet a lot, though, so you'll have to scroll a bit. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Are these drunk tweets? No. (laughs) These were were sober (laughs) tweets. I very rarely drink. This is whatever. The one time. No, we're not judging. Okay. (laughs) The one time I got. Go to a chili's. <laughs> um, okay, before we get into the movie, I wanted to mention one more thing, which is that ever you have been, I believe hosting like online meditations for people. Is that correct? Yeah, I've been hosting online meditations every every Wednesday. I actually just oh, had nice. one right before this podcast. Mm-hmm. And that's been really fun. So yeah, if, if any listeners want to join in 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, um, dang, just shoot me a message. shit man shoot me a message and then um i also do like classes on like connecting with like through improv and stand-up and it's usually a live class but now it's over digital mediums but connecting with the um subconscious thought through the medium of comedy and and using that in performance that was great yeah i teach uh inner kindness, unconditional love type mindfulness meditation. This is just stuff. I don't know. That sounds like nice. I don't know, man. No, that sounds like the remedy to the country right now. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, first of all, I didn't know that the Milky Way is moving. Yes. Um, So I got to 
I had to like sit down for a second. So this whole thing in the Guardians of the Galaxy, right? When they're like zip bopping around, like it's not part, like you can't just put in a coordinate in space, right? Because everything's moving. Well, we do have coordinate systems to describe where things are in space. Um, But the thing about physics is that reference frames like depend on where you are. So we have a coordinate system that's based on where the center of the galaxy is and how stuff is moving around the galaxy. But like if you were I'm sorry, outside there the- is an actual center of the galaxy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow, cool. Where's the center? Yeah, where's Jupiter-ish? Yeah. It's it's very close to the supermassive black hole Sagittarius A star at the center of the galaxy. But it is not wow. exactly that black hole. Is that a coincidence, you think? No, it's uh, because the center of mass is going to be the point that all of the stuff orbits around, and black holes grow by nearby objects being pulled into those black holes or spiraling into those black holes. Uh, and so if you're, in, if you're near the center of mass, then there's just more stuff spiraling around you, so you're able to grow into a supermassive black hole. Wow. Frightening. That's cool. But then what happens when you go into that black hole? Like, are you just gone? Uh, like, what happened? That is like into I'm the realm of them. theoretical physics, for sure. <laughs> I've never I'm seen the most like <laughs> ignorant questions. No, okay, these are great then... questions. Um, <laughs> but I think that they would be like better if we had watched Interstellar for this episode. Oh, okay. Because don't they go okay. into a right. black hole? Which we have done with Dan Levy and people, please listen to that episode. It's great. And yes, they do, I believe, go into a black hole or use it to transport through time or something like that. It's like a wormhole type mm. situation. But anyways, we're talking about Guardians of Guardians. the Galaxy, guys. Yes. And the galaxy that we have, the Milky Way, which is growing and moving? Growing and moving. Correct. Wow. Great. Um, I wanted to say a couple of things. One... If people haven't gone online and watched Bradley Cooper and Vin Diesel voicing Rocket and Groot, you need to do that. (laughs) That is great. I thought for sure there was like some sort of effects going on. But then after watching them, if there are any effects on their voice, it's like very minimal. They Mm -hmm. sound exactly like the movie and it was very, very cool. And then secondly, I wanted to ask you guys if you caught this. There's a part towards the end where they're trying to get to Ronin. And Mm -hmm. Gamora has to destroy that green thing, which opens the security doors. Mm -hmm. And then she does it and they go through the door finally. And it was like a huge pain in the butt. You know, she had to like fight her sister. And then the, the rest of the guardians had to like fight a bunch of different dudes. And then after it's done... She like shoots a gun at the roof. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and then mm-hmm. she jumps through the hole and then she's just there in <laughs> Ronin's lair. So what was the whole point of the doors? I, I think the the hole is outside the doors. And once the doors open, she can like it. it the hole is in the hall. And then the because okay. she's opened the doors, I, she can I walk through. I hope you're right. Yeah. I saw that and I just wrote down like all caps like what? <laughs> she jumped in there. She just jumped into the room. <laughs> Well, it's like a sturdy outer shell and then like, you know, construction was a little bit cheaper on the inside. (laughs) I had to save a little bit of money (laughs) once you get through the heavy doors. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I wanted to ask about hovercrafts. I don't know what we have. I don't know the recent update. I don't know if you know, but like a lot of these ships in all these movies, but especially in this one, we see them having like hover abilities. I mean, it's like the first thing that we see right in the intro. Mm -hmm. uh, Peter runs out and he's like abducted, I guess, by this ship that's like hovering over him. So 
do we have stuff like that yet? Why not? What's the deal with hovercrafts? Yeah, um, we have stuff like that, but on a much smaller scale. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen those really cool things like water jet ski type things where like you mm-hmm. put on a pack and it just shoots water out downwards so you're like floating above a lake like that's that's similar um anything like a maglev train is a similar concept where you're using magnets like the repellent force of magnets to levitate a whole ass train um the only but there, you need a track for that no yeah you need a track for that um but the the difference is in scale, I think, and not in magnitude. Like we have concepts for how hovercraft could potentially work. We just don't have ways to make the um, the force, the push, powerful enough to hover a whole spaceship. Also, that thing definitely would have been detected. Like why? Why didn't? I feel like there, there's a whole part of the story missing by the Air Force or something. Or even by geologists. Um, I I recently talked to a geologist for an episode of my podcast, and she was saying that the geologists who study seismic recordings can even detect things like lovers' lanes, like places where teenagers go to park and make out based on the what? vibrations from the cars in that particular spot. Like that oh. spaceship definitely would have been detected. Whoa. What? That is... Crazy? That's really scary. Yeah. So because the car is moving a little bit, that geologists get like a ping? Yeah, yeah. Because of the like pattern of movement. They can even detect <laughs> things like um, happy hours or tea times in different parts of the world. Like any any type of mass movement uh, will create seismic ripples in the earth and they can detect them at these really wow. sensitive scales. Can they detect when like <laughs> happy hour is at a Chili's or an Applebee's? <laughs> <laughs> yes, all of the geologists in the world knew when I got drunk to watch Guardians of the Galaxy 2. <laughs> I'm glad that you said it. We didn't say that. That's really crazy. That's what about um, okay. the rocket booster boots? When are we getting those? What's up? That would be super cool. Um, I don't know of any company that's working on those. Um, but I, I feel like, again, we have technology that gets us conceptually close to that because all it is is uh, some mechanism that produces a huge forceful push in one direction that's strong enough that like just based on air pushing back on you because that's how physics works right equal and opposite reaction uh, the air pushing back on you causes you to move and so we have stuff that conceptually gets it gets us close to that, but just isn't strong enough to actually move a human very far. That's a bummer. I really want something like that. Oh, I have a question. Oh, sorry. No, 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 please. I was just <laughs> fantasizing about dunking with special shoes. You go. <laughs> What's the deal with his mask, right? Like, yeah. I get that it's like supposed to like help with like oxygen intake, but then also like isn't Gamora like an alien? So how come she doesn't need this mask elsewhere? But all of a sudden when she's like floating in like space, she's like needs the mask. And then what's with the eyes? Like, why are they red? <laughs> Like, what's going Asking on with the this? real questions. Um, yeah, so the, the mask, I'm assuming, is some sort of thing that provides oxygen and maybe uh, depressurizes. Because it allows Star-Lord or Peter or whatever you want to call him to survive in space for, like, several seconds at a time. And the 
common misunderstanding is that the way you die when exposed to space is that you freeze. That's not totally true. Over time, yes, you would freeze. But the real danger is the lack of pressure or the very low pressure. So your organs and your your veins and capillaries and everything, they expand because of the lower pressure and then they pop and you die and that's bad. And you can actually see wow. this in that scene where uh, Star-Lord goes out to save Gamora because you can see his eyes getting red. That's all of the little blood vessels in his eyes popping because of the pressure. Um, so if he was out there for 15, 20 seconds, would he have permanent eye damage or brain damage or whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Because then as soon as they got pulled into Yondu's ship with the tractor beam, like they were totally fine. His eyes were back to normal and they didn't have any of the frostbite. I'm assuming that's what that was. It I, Like frostbite because they were exposed to the coldness of deep space. Um, that was totally healed, which is mad sus. But I, I guess you can have a healing tractor beam. I'm willing to suspend my disbelief for that. Okay, could I suspend? I I felt that, but then I also suspended my disbelief into thinking, well, he is half, isn't he oh, like right. half mutant? Yeah, isn't that what the mom yeah. said? Yeah, he's like, like half alien dad, species, half alien species. Yeah, that seems more politically correct than mutant. <laughs> yeah, come on now. <laughs> it sounds when I say mutant, it sounds so violent now. Um, okay, so like, but we don't know who his dad is, right? Or did we? Do they tell you that in the second one, or were you too drunk? <laughs> like, do you not remember? <laughs> they, like, <laughs> they do say it in the second one, and yeah, I remember a little bit. A little. Okay, bit. so but like, knowing who his dad is, do you think with his dad's powers i cannot believe i'm having this conversation okay no you're you're onto it with his dad's powers do you think that he mm -hmm. could you know have that in his dna and he would be able to sustain and quickly heal yeah i think it's super totally possible they they have that scene at the end where he's where star lord is talking to the nova prime and they're like we detected these anomalies in your nervous system and that's how he finds out that his father isn't human um I, I think that it's totally possible that given the characteristics of wherever his father is from, that it would give him abilities like uh, super resilient capillaries that uh, don't burst from the decreased pressure or skin that's better at handling extreme temperature shifts or lungs that have better capacity so that he can like hold his breath for longer or something like that. I think that's totally possible. Um, and they allude to that when they're like, oh, maybe that's why you could hold on to the Infinity Stone for so long. Okay. Right. In general, I think the world building in this is pretty self-consistent, internally consistent. Yeah, I, I liked them putting it at the end, actually, because it's a nice reveal and it's cool for an audience member who thinks that they're like above it or, you know, too smart that they're like, but how could he survive this? And how could he do this power? And it's like, well, at the end, they tell you, you know, mm -hmm. like, well, he's kind of half human. So shove it. Yeah. His mom did say that his dad was an angel right before she died. So like there was some foreshadowing. Yeah, that's true. But it also sounds like, you know, she's being cute. Right. <laughs> she's being cute as she dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just sounds I mean, like she's being cute on her deathbed. <laughs> yeah, she's just being. If cute there's though. anything I want to be on my deathbed, it's cute. It's cute. It better be cute. <laughs> I'll tell you all I what. better look cute as shit. Um, <laughs> all right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. The break is over. 
here we go back to the show about science so have we done speaking of being out in a in a vacuum in space have we done tests on any living organisms like that are in a vacuum definitely not humans that's that the irb would not approve that for sure. Um, I can think of plenty that I would be fine with, but... <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, that's why you're not on the IRB. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, we've <laughs> sent a lot of different types of animals to space. Laika, the dog, uh, there have been like monkeys and lizards, because the people, when they go to space, they're doing science experiments. They want to see how the conditions of space affect their results. Um and so we've right. definitely sent a bunch of living stuff up to space. I don't know of any experiments where we just kind of send them out of the spaceship and say like, all right, bro, like, see how you do. I, <laughs> that seems cruel. Yeah, it does seem really cruel. I was just curious because, you know, we have this like weird cliche scene like we saw where people are out in space and they start freezing or, you know, I guess somewhat realistic with the veins kind of expanding and stuff like mm -hmm. that. But I just wondered if there were any, you know, based on reality experiments where it's like, oh, yeah, right. when we sent that thing out, it did freeze within a minute. Yeah, you also have to remember that any experiments we do on living things would be in the solar system fairly close to the sun, like where they would be near the International Space, Sta Space Station, uh, where the temperature for space is actually pretty high because it's, re it's relatively close to the sun. But where they were in this, they, what do they call it? Like nowhere in that giant thing's head or mm -hmm. outside that giant thing's head. That's mm -hmm. deep space. There were no stars in sight. Like that would just be a very sparse, very cold place. Like definitely much closer to absolute zero than you can find anywhere around the earth. Uh, so any type of experiment that we do here wouldn't apply there because the conditions would just be much more extreme. I have a question about nowhere and because this was supposed to be some sort of robotic head, right? Mm -hmm. Or some being's head. Celestial mm -hmm. being. Yeah. Celestial being. Um, <laughs> what happens with space junk? Does it disintegrate? Does it just go on mm. and for infinity? Are, are there like essentially because when I saw nowhere, I thought, oh, this is just space junk turned into a planet. And then I started thinking, what happens with our space junk or spaceships that get lost? Like, does it go away? Does it just keep floating into another like solar system or galaxy? And then it, like, are there multiple suns also? Like, what what is space? Um, so, okay. so rather, okay, maybe here's a better way to frame this question. Would a celestial head that size really be somewhere in space? Like if I got lost in space, and I only have a mask and some hover shoes. Mm -hmm. Would I be able to find a place like that, maybe built out of old rocket parts or space station parts? So there is a bunch of space junk around the Earth right now. And I used to know the number, but I think <sighs> it's something in the tens of thousands or maybe hundreds of thousands of little pieces of space junk that are orbiting the Earth because of... Uh, when when a rocket launches, it has different components to it that break off and then start orbiting. Or if something breaks in space, then it like it's broken and it's just orbiting. 
Not all orbits are created equal. Some of them are more stable than others. So over time, some of those small pieces of space junk, especially as they interact with each other, might get flung out further in the solar system, might get flung inward closer to the sun. But for the most part, they're just out there chilling and we don't know what to do with it. And this is a huge hole in the field of space law where like people haven't regulated what can and can't go up into space and who has control over it. And it's like a huge problem. So that's like answers one part of your question. The other part of your question, uh, would you be able to find this nowhere place you ever as a human being? No. Ouch. That's probably the rudest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> that was so rude. I'm so, I'm so Sounds sorry. like you went to Applebee's before wow. this podcast. Okay, let me rephrase that. I'm going to need Applebee's after this podcast. I'll tell you that. I, I like Oh, sorry. Applebee's has now just become code for drink. <laughs> Get it right. Um, so any human, not just you ever, you just ask the question, uh, any human would not be able to get to this deep space region. It took multiple decades for a spacecraft flying at top speeds available to leave our solar system. And so a human would, would not be able to to get to this type of deep space region. So wait, how big is our galaxy then? <sighs> have we have we reached the edges big. of the galaxy or sent stuff out of the galaxy? No. Actually, and that brings up a good point. You know how you you maybe have seen those pictures of the Milky Way with like its beautiful spiral arms? Mm -hmm. yes, have you seen those? Yeah. They're not real. What? Okay, thank you for joining us. This has been a great show. What are you talking about? <laughs> I feel like I'm just crushing all your hopes and dreams. Um, so That's those a, pictures yeah, most aren't famous real. picture. <laughs> They're not really pictures of the Milky Way because we've never sent something out of the galaxy. So nothing made by humans has ever been able to have a full view from top down of the entire Milky Way. So those are artists' ideas, like artists working with scientists to imagine what the Milky Way might look like based on data. Okay, but it is to your estimation, an accurate representation of what it probably looks like. Yeah. Okay. Okay. As long as I thought for a second there that NASA was just like, I don't know, make it look nice. <laughs> but no. I'm glad it's like based on research. That's good. So wait, so we've never, because you were saying we have sent something at top speed, it took decades, but we have broken out of our solar system, but not the galaxy. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Our sun at the center of our solar system is just one of hundreds of billions of stars in our galaxy and they're all spread out light would take four years and light's the fastest thing in the universe light would take four years to get from our sun to the closest star and so you can imagine if that's the distance between stars and there are hundreds of billions of stars then the galaxy is huge wow yeah, and so those guys are the guardians the galaxy, <laughs> right yeah that's what i was thinking like that's a few they need a lot more guardians that is accurate <laughs> yeah okay although i guess they have like faster than light travel available because they said at one point that they went to the other side of the galaxy so they're they they can get places quickly yeah. what about time and age is that affected in space because in every mm. movie that I see about like deep space, 
you know, mm-hmm. people are like coming back and everybody else is like 82 and they're like 31. You know, they're like, I didn't age. So like, are the gap, are, are the guardians aging? Like what's with, are they going to age? Like, are they older mm. in one galaxy than they are in another? Is this, uh, mm. uh, does this question make sense? This question does make sense. Okay. Five, sure. Uh, <laughs> so there is some basis in the whole, like aging happens differently in space on a couple of counts. So one is that part of Einstein's relativity is that time isn't like fundamental, it's relative. And so if you're in a space, like if you're uh, inside the event horizon of, of, of a black hole and gravity is extremely different, then time is also dilated. So time would pass differently for you inside the event horizon of a black hole than it would for someone outside. So that's one way that it's different. Another way is actually tying back to experiments that we've done. Uh, so we we did a twin experiment in space. I think it was, maybe it was Scott Kelly. I'm not sure. But we sent an astronaut to space who had a twin here on Earth. And then when the astronaut came back, looked at how their genes were different because beforehand their genes were identical, right? They're twins. They're identical twins. And one thing that we think might happen is that space can age you. It can alter your epigenetic age, um, which is like as your as you age, as time passes, your genes, your DNA are affected. And that can happen at different speeds for different people, depending on their environment and their experiences. And space, going into space is a super heavy experience. Like it's it's traumatic. And so it can affect your DNA differently than if you were here on Earth. Wow. Whoa. But you're saying in a way of time. It it affects Yeah, in a sense, like if you have if you experience super traumatic uh stuff then you'll have an advanced epigenetic age um you'll age epigenetically faster and stressful situations etc yeah exactly stressful situations emotionally but also physically and so it's possible that if star lord like came back to earth or to terra as they call it um maybe only 30 years have passed but epigenetically his genes are like 60 years older because he's gone through some shit. Right. Which would make him like more susceptible to sickness or stuff like that? Maybe. But also let's remember he has alien genes. So who knows? Oh, right. Yep. True. Forgot. Okay. (laughs) I have a question and maybe this, I don't know, maybe it's more of an issue. Speaking of like genes. I have an issue. Okay. Groot. (laughs) Okay. So Groot is a tree, right? And he is growing with what I'm assuming no oxygen or carbon dioxide? Maybe is there a lot of carbon? What are the, like? Isn't photosynthesis the intake of carbon dioxide and the release of oxygen and sunlight and, and yeah. some other things? Yeah. So he's over here growing around in space, like becoming a tree trunk, <laughs> branching out. There, I'm assuming there, like, if everybody needs a mask for this, maybe there's not a whole <laughs> bunch of carbon dioxide. And then also, he doesn't need any soil. But then when he's a stick, he has to get planted. And did, mm-hmm. it, did, did anybody notice? Did this upset anybody else? <laughs> I was <laughs> distracted one. by how cute he was when he was very small. <laughs> right. The soil is a great point. I can't imagine, though, that there there are plants here on Earth that start to grow in soil and over time leave it like tumbleweeds mm-hmm. in the desert. They're living plants and they aren't connected to the soil with roots. Ooh, so I, know that. <laughs> I can imagine a realistic scenario where Groot like needs to grow in soil until he gets big enough to become independent. And on the carbon dioxide 
side of things. Like all of the humanoid looking creatures have no problem breathing on all of these planets that they visit, which is like not great um, because there are so many different types of atmospheric compositions that a planet can have, but whatever, maybe they're selecting planets that have the right type of atmospheres. But if the people around Groot can breathe, then Groot can probably breathe. Okay. Yeah, that it, makes it, sense. <laughs> I, I was thinking about that a little bit on the nowhere one you mentioned ever, because if that's just like a big head in space, then how mm -hmm. are, is everybody walking around breathing, chilling on that with gravity? I, I thought that was weird, but it wouldn't make much sense if they had to like yeah. fly around with helmets, I guess. Right. Um, okay, what about this whole... I mean, uh, this is pretty wild, but like the ships that like interlock and create a force field together. Yo. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Is that? I don't have anything scientific to say about that, except that it was awesome to yeah, watch. It and was it was just awesome. like a very like emotionally beautiful moment in the movie. <laughs> yeah. People coming together to stop a, a terrifying force. Yeah. I feel like you're about to ask if we have force fields here on Earth. Yeah, I was about to. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Um, my short answer is I have no clue. I don't even know, like, hypothetically how how you would do that, except maybe with electromagnetism. It's funny that in these movies, it's such a common, like, if, you know, there's a force field that comes up and all of us are like, yep, of course, force field. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. I have a question. I guess my... Oh, go. Ooh. Ooh. My thoughts about force fields are that there are these four fundamental forces, right? There's gravity, electromagnetism, the weak nuclear force, and the strong nuclear force. Mm -hmm. And I like to imagine that a force field is something that can manipulate all of those different fundamental forces. And mm -hmm. I've never heard anyone else say that, but like, I'm just choosing to believe that that's how force fields work. I don't know nice. how they can do that, but like, I like to imagine that that's the mechanism. That totally makes sense to me. I love that. Okay. I have a question about Ronan's ship. Because from one angle, it looks like, you know, I'm assuming it's supposed to be some shaped after like a bird. Okay. He's got that whole like thing going on. Mm. Um, yep. What was the deal with its, I would assume the wings with the rotating mm -hmm. wings or the rotating parts? Did that make any sense? Or was it, are there, do we have spaceships that do that currently? Or is that just to um, like look cool? Do you know what I'm saying? In the, in the film? I mean, like, why not both? <laughs> yeah. I, think that the individual spinning sections, I interpreted that as local gravity enforcers, oh. like artificial gravity makers. Oh, that's yeah, because that it's sense. spinning. It's and we just yeah. learned about spinning, creating yeah. gravity. Wow. I mean, I'm pretty sure I've, I've learned this in, in grade school about that's why we have gravity with the earth spinning. But it, I totally forgot. That's when, not why we have gravity. Okay. Thank you Actually. so much. I was educated in Texas, like small town. So <laughs> you went our to grade school was, at Applebee's. Yeah, I went to grade school at church. My my <laughs> my teaching is like, well, God created it and it's God mm -hmm. and science. I is will God and <laughs> I'm not trying to. Be I will say, God. have you ever been on one of those carnival rides where you like stand up and then it spins really fast and you're stuck to the wall, but you don't like you're not strapped in? Yeah, yeah Gravitron. Yeah, yeah, that's like simulated gravity. So just imagine that the whole spaceship is doing that, but instead of being like parallel to the wall, it's just your feet that are on the wall. And it Everyone feels like barking. gravity is pulling you towards the wall, but it's not really. Yeah, wow. that sucks. That's totally not gravity, the way we experience it on the Earth. Right, because it's very sudden and jarring and not 
totally calibrated to our evolutionary experience. But uh, if people were careful about exactly how fast the thing was spinning and created environments that made it uh, so that you couldn't see outside, because part of it is that like your eyes see that you're like spinning around this central point and your brain knows that that's not how gravity works. So there's some dissonance there. But like if you were just walking on a floor, but the floor was actually this round thing around the edge of a spaceship, it could feel like gravity. Gotcha. Oh, wild. Okay, so two last questions here. Um, We're running low on time. So number one, if you guys had an awesome mix volume one, essentially a tape that you... (laughs) could only listen to that tape for 20 years because, you know, the soundtrack to this movie is like unbelievable. I think it went to number one on the Billboard charts I read and it's like all these 80s songs and 70s songs, I think. So what for you guys would be, you know, your like top song or top two, like what would be on there? Oh gosh. Um, Mine would have to be Believe It or Not by Joey Scarberry, the theme from The Great American Hero. Oh, that's good. Listen to that. Oh, I know the song you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's great. Yeah. It's my go-to cooking song. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice. man. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Ever? What if it was Landslide by Fleetwood Mac? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's the only thing I can listen to is space. It's, it's a, I mean, it's a great song, but I feel like after the sixth time, you would absolutely lose your mind. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, I gotta go. It's a landslide time. Can I? Can you answer and then I can come back and think about that because that's like a great man. Me personally, um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I don't you? know. I didn't even think about it actually. Maybe I'd go "Kiss from a Rose" by Seal. Ooh, really that's dig that really song. Nice. It reminds me of my childhood. Would you? Would you risk your life just to be able to hear Seal's voice again? <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. I think I would. How could you ask that? <laughs> Not sure if you've heard Seal before. But yeah. <laughs> Baby. <Okay. laughs> I mean, come on. Um, All right. Yeah, I would have to maybe say like some Bob Seeger. Um, wow. Old timey rock and roll. Just something to like really pump up the jams, keep it classic. Yeah, it'll remind me of an Applebee's in the good times. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? Maybe I hope more. Applebee's is sponsoring this episode. You should reach out to them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Emily, make sure we get on that. Um, and now that you're you're saying that ever, I do feel like it's got to be like, yeah, the Beach Boys or something. Yeah, something upbeat probably is, is best. Oh, yeah. Maybe some outcast. Oh, yeah, another great call. Um, And then uh, this is my last and final idiotic question. Why can't we talk to our cats yet? And, you know, we got this (laughs) raccoon talking. I got two cats. I I saw you have a cat named Cosmo, I believe. Mm -hmm. Ever, I don't know if you have pets. Do you have pets? No, I'm not allowed to have pets at my current apartment. Oh, my God. Put your landlord on the line. Yeah, Yeah, can you add? Um, (laughs) I can definitely convince them. And also... Yeah, I mean, why are we no closer to that? I feel like we've made zero progress in communicating with animals. What's the deal? I will talk to the Council of Science and um, get them to move on that. Okay, so I'm There's no real Council of Science, just like in case (laughs) any listeners are wondering. Damn it. I was was going (laughs) to confirm. I was going to, like, promise our listeners that by, like, next week we'll have some sort of update. (laughs) Next week? (laughs) Oh, you move fast. (laughs) I need an answer. I want to know when we're getting our gravity boots. Yeah, also. (laughs) Our non-gravities. Yeah. I just want to know when I'll be able to close YouTube without the video stopping. Thank you! 
Yes. <laughs> okay. Can we, that yes. God. We got <laughs> a long a way to problem. go. That actually, are, I got so. Oh man. We are still very <laughs> primitive, uh, obviously. <laughs> um, okay. So thank you guys both for joining me. And uh, is there anything else you'd like to promote or tell people about uh, ever? You want to go first? Yeah. Um, you can follow me on all socials um, at Ever Maynard M A I N A R D. Um, Ever is my real name. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I host um, meditations um, every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, there's always a link in my bio. Um, you can catch me on Conan's new series, Meet the Staff, also on YouTube. So, you know, don't close the video. Um, but yeah, that's that's about it right now. You know, it's, it's the core. It's COVID. It's quarantine. So really just making vids at home, trying to do my part. <laughs> Yeah, you are doing your part, and I appreciate you doing your part today uh, on the pod. And uh, and and Moya, you said you have a pod uh, called "So You Think You Can Science." Is that is that correct? Well, that's that's old, and oh. I stopped because I got super depressed. Okay, and oh now God, I'm doing I'm another podcast. I appreciate that um, honesty. <laughs> yeah, it's very refreshing. Just trying to keep it real. Um, grad school is is dark. Um, I started another podcast when we entered the core. I love that. We'll use yep. that. Um, it's called Exolore. And in each episode, I invite experts to help me imagine what life is like on alien planets. Oh, that's wow. cool. Okay. Yes. Exolore. Yeah. E-X-O-L-O-R-E. Wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, that's Fantastic. dope. Yes, cannot wait to listen to that. Um, thank you both again for for coming on, and uh, hopefully we'll talk about the next one. Um, which you know, Moya, you might have to watch. I'll watch sober. I promise. <laughs> what if we all had an Applebee's <laughs> night? What if we all <laughs> had a martini, watched Guardians of the Galaxy two, and then talked about our experiences? Yeah, we can I mean, talk I'm, half I'm the down. time about Applebee's and half the time about Guardian Guardians of the Galaxy Volume two. <laughs> Yeah. So the same ratio as this episode. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Don't want to break tradition. Cool. Um, okay. Well, thank you guys so much. Bye bye. Bad Science is a Seeker podcast produced by Emily Feld and me, Ethan Edinburgh. Our editor is Lucas Bollinger, and our social media is managed by Blue Whale Media. Shout out to EJ and Kate. I love you. Don't tell my girlfriend. And the executive Groot Deucer is Brett Kushner. Oh, follow us on Instagram at BadSciencePod. If there's a movie you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, feel free to email at BadScienceAtSeeker.com. That's BadScienceAtSeeker.com. And please leave us an iTunes review. Give us five stars. I sound like an Uber driver. But it does help. It makes sure people know about the podcast, which we really appreciate. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>